0: welcome 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 so this is episode five of the artwork podcast thank you for tuning in um as you will find out it's the last episode of this series so i'm going to talk a little more at the end if you want to stick around for that me and Louisa have some closing thoughts which we wanted to share um otherwise i have to apologize immediately for the quality of my own um recording in this voice because my microphone was low super low and um, I think it gets worse through the episode. I start quite well and then I just, I must have moved my chair. Anyway, you can still just about hear me. I've done as much as I can in post to get that ready. Another apology. It's a shame to do this at the start, but I'm sorry for how late this episode was. I've been just dithering and dithering and dithering. Obviously, we've had lockdown, so I've had time to pull myself together and um, this is the result of that and I wanted to do justice to the people who contributed their insights and opinions and so this was the best way to do that hope everyone's staying safe staying occupied having a peaceful time or a productive time a mixture of the two whatever it is you need right now obviously all of our old episodes are still available on every podcast platform one to five so yeah have a dig back through the archives if you want there's plenty of good stuff in there so for now i hope you enjoyed this episode the final of series one and see you for series two stick around for the end if you want to hear more about that peace okay so welcome back to episode five of the artwork podcast um this could potentially be the last in this format and of this series (laughs) it kind of feels like we're coming to an end of this series and um I, I don't know about you, but we were talking about this the other week when we were on the walk and I was just like sort of running out of things to say with this. So it might be a little pause between this and the next season, series, whatever we call it. But hey, so this is it, the last one um, for now. And we're doing politics. So Louisa came up with the questions and I edited them a bit. So I might have mangled your <laughs> original meaning, but Yeah. Why did you want to chat about um, politics? I think
1: I came up with the idea when. Um, I'm not sure. I think it was during the summer that I told you about it because yeah. there was a whole. Um, there were the fires in uh, Brazil and mm. there was a lot of talk about the whole climate change um, movement. And I also saw a lot of artists responding to that through art. Um, and I, I. But it's something that I personally like. I might not be the best climate change activist because I'm not extremely active but it's something that it's like I I really care about. Yeah. And I think that there are more and more conversations about it uh, which is great. Um but also I feel like the best way anyone well yeah, this is completely biased, but the best way to respond to things so like big and so uncomprehensible like the climate change, sometimes is through art mm. because it gives us the possibility of reflecting about it and create um, something almost like physical yeah. in response to what is happening. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to see how people have, you know, um, used politics in their art, uh, how if they have, not used it. Why have they not used it? Mm. Um, and I, I also, I guess I was also interested in seeing what people think when the word politics is used. Yeah. What things come to mind? Different so.
0: interpretations. Yeah. Yeah. You had the quote from Molly Crabapple too. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um. She's not. Well, she has been really uh, like politically t- politically active. Uh, basically, Molly Crabapple is one of my. I'm just like. I think she's one of my muses. muses. <laughs> um I read her bo- her book Drawing Blood, which is a memoir um of her life uh last spring. And it just changed completely my, my you know, how I see art because she's very honest about how art came to her and how she started doing art. She she draws and she's also a journalist. Um and it, sh- her story is fascinating because, first of all, she's not really famous at all. I think she, sh- she should have more, she should be more recognized than she is. Um, but secondly, I think that her commitment to art is just amazing. There is this one case, that, um, if I keep talking about her, I'm going to go on and on. But I just want to say this one thing she did. <laughs> yeah, um, in which she rented out a room, a hotel room. Um, right. in New York and she filled the walls with paper and she made a painting with like the four walls of the hmm. room and she stayed in that room for two weeks huh. without leaving. like she had friends to bring her food and stuff and obviously she had the toilet and stuff but wow. her point was like I'm gonna like live in my art like physically surrounded by yeah. yeah and she said it was the most difficult thing she's ever done because she didn't realize how Tiring, it would be emotionally, but also, mm. you know, having to paint almost twenty four seven and not do anything but sleep and paint.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it that that is the amount of commitment that she has to her art, and I admire that incredibly. Um, but she's also um n- now she's been really like politically outspoken about Bernie Sanders and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I had this quote from her that is art is hope against cynicism. Creation against entropy. To make art is an act of both love and defiance, and I think that just really sums up politics yeah. without even using the word. It's a very political quote.
0: Yeah, cynicism and entropy. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that was yeah the background how we got here, um, and I guess from here we just go into the contributions. So today we have uh, Charlie J is contributing for the first time. He is a producer, rapper, writer from Bridgend um, doing a lot at the moment he's doing loads of gigs all around all, all over the shop he's popping over to Bristol, coming back to Cardiff and he's got singles coming out and he's very meticulous with his releases so he's got great videos and fully thought out campaigns behind them and he's just a exciting person to keep an eye on in Cardiff so we're chuffed that he got involved and we also have Monroe Page my housemate, full disclosure. Um, (laughs) He is also a, first and foremost, he is a writer and he's a photographer, and he chats about this um, on this episode a bit after I um, asked him to. But, yeah, he does wonderful photography and writing for the Sour House Music blog. And we have a friend of yours.
1: Yeah, uh, Pablo Cattori. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, he's a photographer... um, documentary photography I would say Uh, maybe he doesn't like that term I don't know sorry Pablo if you don't (laughs) (laughs) but yeah he's done a lot of uh, well recently he did a really interesting project in Tijuana which is uh, north of Mexico in the border between the US and um, Mexico and yeah he lives in Mexico City and that's how we met Mm -hmm. we went to the same school so yeah
0: (laughs) cool okay so the first question is, how or to what extent do you think
2: art and politics
0: are connected? So, just kind of want to get people's views. So, this is Charlie J's response.
2: Yo, so I'm Charlie J, and... Um... Yeah, thanks for Rowan because um, I know he knows me, but trying to get me involved. Um, I'm ch- just a little bit about me. I'm a music producer, rapper. But we get onto these questions now. So, how or to what extent do you think art and politics are connected? Well, um, they're both in my mind. I know it almost sounds like a trick question because both politics and art are, can be very interconnected, but don't have to be either. So, for example, you can have art that's not linked in or not related to politics. And you can have politics that are not using art in any form to try and push itself. But I believe that through art, you can try and push a political movement further by capturing the imagination of the public. Or you can also alternatively use art to push your political views onto people. So if you take an album such as To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar, obviously that's about becoming institutionalized in a poorer part of the country. And the views that are sort of impressions and that, common as an artist as well as a lot of political views in his music, and um, I believe you can use art to try and push cl- political campaigns. So if you look at, we had like grime for Corbyn" back uh, back in 2017, and also a little bit in 2019 as well. We had the election um, last year, but that was trying to push a political movement in order to uh, well, by using art. And uh, in the past as well, art's always been important in propaganda, whether that be the war propaganda back in the uh, well, World War II, from you know World War Two days and even before that to try and paint and portray certain figures in certain ways, or you know anything like that in general. To be honest,
3: politics and art and are intricately connected in so many ways, and I think we could be here for a very very long time just exploring that particular um particular fact and you know I think what I I will say is that when I was doing politics as my degree at university we very regularly looked at pieces of media pieces of art um, and explored them in the context of the kind of modules and um yeah the things that we were learning about as well as um kind of interpreting them ourselves I did a module um I can't remember the name of it annoyingly it was really really good though and it was looking very specifically at how Um, Politics is presented, and how culture um, kind of uh, is often used to represent, or can be seen as to represent the politics of the world. And you know, even just in that one module, we we went into incredible depth over a very small and select number of pieces of media, uh, pieces of art. Um, You know, and that alone, I think, had so much depth to it that you know the extent to which that art and politics be connected is just. It, it's mind-blowing, it's huge, it, it's impossibly deep, it's everything. They are they are one and the same, I dare say.
4: So art and politics, I think that they have always been connected. We tend to imagine art as being um, independent and free and sceptical and critical of all ideologies and of all political movements. But if we look at the history of art, Western art at least, we'll find that... Art has been used as a political weapon, in most cases, as propaganda. Um, I think that a rebellious art, one that confronts the political establishment and questions the status quo and offers alternatives, that is a rather new phenomenon.
0: <laughs> okay, so those are our three responses for the question. Thank you. Just dropped my pen. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, what do you make of those? Some um,
1: i found it interesting that both pablo and charlie brought up the this idea of propaganda yeah. um because it is true like uh, when you bring up the word politics it's almost like automatic to give that response and mm. be like propaganda yeah <laughs> um I, w- I actually had a model too, like on propaganda specifically mm-hmm. and it made me realize like we have this notion of propaganda is always like bad yeah but if you think about it everything to an extent can be read as propaganda even if it's something that is pushing for a positive change like even with the climate change going back to that mm. what i was saying that that could be read as propaganda mm. um it's yeah it's hard to like draw a line yeah. between one or the other but i think um
0: between art and propaganda.
1: No, be, between, like, positive propaganda oh, okay. and negative. Okay. Yeah. I guess that it's all about, like, how you name it and how, yeah. what name you give it to it. But in the end, it's all about, like, both are about convincing someone of something, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and art, because it's such an emotional thing, is can be extremely useful when, it tra- when, when you're trying to convince someone or persuade. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why art has often fallen prey to propaganda. It's not so much that it... I think it's more about the fact that because art is emotional, then it becomes a very strong way to convince.
0: It's also kind of other art is um, gotten rid of if when politics wants to take hold by itself. So you have like book things and that sort of thing. I, that, was, I don't know, that came to my mind early, along with propaganda, is the idea of people getting rid of art when they want to advance a view that is not supported by artists. Mm. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you look at the history of cinema, or even photography, Mm. um, there is a definite connection between the advancement of the technology and warfare. Um, Mm. So, especially um, the way in which cameras were developed... a a lot of it wasn't just because, ooh, let's take photos. It was, we need to show that we're being stronger than the enemy. So we need to be able to show our soldiers in the front, how are we going to do that? And that's like how cameras were improved a Mm. lot. So in a way, you could say that some some mediums of art Mm. were born through, you know, not the best means, such as war. Yeah. Um, but then I think it's very interesting then when nowadays we can use those same, like, weapons um, and revert its purpose. Like, we are now able to... We're not using photography to create war. Well, some are, but some... Um, I like to think that most artists aren't. Yeah. So it's... Um, we're subverting, you know, the the tool itself, which I think is really interesting. And I think that's... Kind of what, what what Pablo was saying when he said that the questioning, questioning this, um, the original ideas is a new thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked in Monroe's answer to the, when he was talking about his philosophy, degree, politics degree, he, it made it known that even from that perspective, art is important. He was saying they're looking at artistic artifacts from this perspective of politics, so it's not it's not just a one-way thing, clearly. Okay, so for question two, we asked, what role does politics play in how you make your art?
2: Well, uh, for me, um, politics is sort of... It's both directly influencing, and not at the same time because a lot of my music's not actually politically motivated or pushed. My music's sort of quite personal to me. In my experiences, it's not about... Um, pushing any individual political movement at the moment. Um, is what I can relate to and hopefully what my listeners can relate to as well. But that being said, what I can relate to is partly down to political um, implementations of where I've lived and circumstances which I've grown up in. So I'm from, I'm originally from Australia, but uh, I lived in the northwest in a seaside, t- seaside town called Morecambe for um, the last sort of eight years of my life growing up before I came down to South Wales but um, it was because of underfunding and underdevelopment of that area that I grew up around some of the crime and scenes that I've seen and um, it also comes to the point like I come from not the you know the most well-off background I come from quite a poor family although it was stable so you could also argue that I didn't have access to maybe the greatest studios and equipment and Lessons to do, you know, teaching, you know, I don't know, whether that be singing or instruments while I was growing up, which again affects how I create my art because I sort of had to learn myself how to do stuff and how to teach stuff, and there wasn't many opportunities. So when it came to doing gigs, it was picking up any gigs I can. I mean, even if we look at uh, South Wales politics in South... Well, particularly I found in Cardiff as well, there's a huge anti-grime sort of movement because I believe a few years back somebody got stabbed at a gigs concert and there was also... I'll have to find out what... um the reference number is but a lot of grime concerts and hip-hop concerts were trying to be shut down a few years back especially in the london area by the police and there were um, random checks so when it comes to creating art and is in a live performance sense the opportunities haven't always been there for somebody like me who wants to push a more urban style of music so for example i went to an event in cardiff and it's still present this um, called Urban Done Differently back in September and before I even started police came through three times to check on the event to make sure that no shady business was going on while I was well, even before I was performing so the politics of that and a bias towards this type of music can sometimes affect that and I think it's because of that obviously you do get a lot of you know hate the system hate the um, hating on you know police force when it comes to the music as well um, personally my music does not reflect that but Certain struggles are reflected in my music when it comes to where I've grown up and circumstances I've had to face.
3: Politics plays a huge role in all the art and all the stuff that I make because I'm I'm personally a very political person. Lots, lots of Ps there. Very personally political person. Um, I have a huge, I've always had a huge interest in it and I think um, since, I've, since I have did a degree in it, it kind of really brought out that love and, and passion to to display it and express it um and for me the way that it plays a role in my art is often through that through being an expression of not necessarily not just what I think but also how I interpret what others are thinking um so with with the with the kind of uh, albums and music that I review for instance I will almost always try and pick out the political aspects of it um whether they are intended perhaps or whether I kind of see that as being a very uh, important part of of the music um i did a, a retrospective recently on london calling by the clash for instance that was um it turned 40 back at the start of december of 2019 you know that is an ob- objectively objectively political record it came out an incredibly interesting and very troubled time for british politics and the album really captured a, a certain sense of the way that people were thinking and kind of the, the way they wanted to react to that which i think is I, it's something I tried to explore a bit in the writing I did and I really, you know, that was a, a huge part of that review. Um, but, you know, to, another, to other extents, though, in the stuff that I create, I don't just um, sort of, you know, you know I, I won't always build my art around that political aspect. I kind of in, integrate it as much as I can in the way that I feel it needs to be. So in some cases, for instance, with like my photography, for instance, um, as much as I don't, I don't really sort of show it off to many people all the time, apart from what i put on on instagram or on the internet but the stuff i do put on there I, I usually try and it will have some kind of purpose i think within there that is somewhat political it may be quite an objective message uh, or it may be something a bit more subtle i feel so i got this um I got this picture of a um, it was this this bit of graffiti and it was some sort of climate change slogan it's written on this electric fuse box by the by a railway bridge in cardiff um, it's next to a very popular thoroughfare where people walk by all the time. And I just loved the way that it was written. It was so like rough ready and kind of stark against everything else that was there. And I captured that on my 35mm camera, which is my favourite thing to use in the world because it's kind of like my my personal kind of eye or lens on the world. So when I see something political, I kind of express that through taking a picture of it. So that that is like a very political example of a picture, for instance. Whereas you know, I often I often get pictures of just things like, you know, scenery that I like or, you know, things that just look aesthetically pleasing. And I do feel that even they can be quite political in some ways because it's kind of capturing the world as it is at the moment. And I do see politics in every kind of aspect of the world. So even like an escalator, for instance, could be a, a kind of representation of capitalism, for instance, and you could divulge all sorts of stuff from that. And I, I think I process that in my mind when I do those and I capture those things, and it's something that I do, you know, in in all sorts of in all aspects of art that I do, um, particularly in my art and photography, which is what I do the most of. So yeah.
4: When I started my career as a documentary photographer, I had the idea that that I was only a witness, that I couldn't and shouldn't interfere with what was with what I was observing and documenting. Um, I saw myself as a political. But I now think that this was a rather naive understanding of how things work. So today I am exploring a more poetic side of my photography, more introspective and contemplative, maybe more essential to what I think should matter in life. In this sense, I do see my art as politically engaged um, because I think that it rejects many of the values and attitudes that are expected from us today like productivity and success and uh, enrichment, for example.
0: Okay, so those were our three responses. And, um, yeah, what did you get
1: from those? A lot. A lot, (laughs) lot. yeah. A page. Um, Yeah, (laughs) so let's start with Charlie. (laughs) Um, I think he brought up something that I hadn't really thought about when I was thinking about politics, but he kind of, like, I don't think, he meant to do so, but he kind of like divided this notion of the individual against the collective yeah. in yeah. politics, and like how his personal, um, because he started by saying like, well, my I my art is not political because I talk from my personal experience, but then he used his personal experience to talk about political issues. Yeah. So I think that in a way that shows how intertwined they are. Like you cannot really separate one from the other, because ultimately. I mean all political movements have to come from some sort of personal not bias but personal you know grounding the things that we fight for are the things we care about and we normally care about them because something personal has happened relating to them
0: yeah
1: um but yeah I thought I, that was really interesting um I also I I I wasn't aware well I I was very like vaguely aware about the whole um South Wales scene mm. relating to grime so it's Good to know that.
0: Yeah. The the form he mentioned there was um form six nine six. There's a really good documentary on I think Vice did it, I'm not sure about Vice as a whole company, but it's a good (laughs) documentary by JME and um yeah, basically it was used by police to they would ask the promoters of an event to tell them basically what race of what race the audience is gonna be in reality and they would, they would cancel shows according to the genre of the music because mm. they thought there'd be more black people, in essence. And, um, yeah, kind of horrific thing done, and it just, yeah, silenced voices. And even when people who might not see themselves as political are just trying to, I don't know, make their songs and, and have some fun or, yeah. yeah, find some way out of their situation, things like that, the political side of things do impact you.
1: Yeah, of course. Because we normally, when we talk about um, the way the music industry especially works mm. and the way uh, the music industry, you know, puts this, like, limits to, like, minority groups, like, they don't tend to give, like, record deals to minority groups. We always talk about the uh, distribution and production side of it, whereas if you think about it, even the performance itself is being affected because that, that's what he mentioned, like, before this gig, police came three times so yeah. obviously you're going to perform different if you are like yeah. you know scared or you're nervous because the police is there yeah so yeah it's it's interesting it to interesting. hear that
0: <laughs> yeah and yeah like you said about the even if you go personal that's going to come out the other side yeah. Cool.
1: yeah it's yeah it's inescapable even as annoying as the
0: kind of bureaucracy of politics might be you have to deal with it so mm. it's best to i think face it head on and yeah, have a discussion like this that these people have gotten involved so Monroe, too I'm going to try and tie together his and Pablo's responses because he was talking about his. he said his personal eye was lens yeah. I really like that that's the way I always think about my photography is that mm. you're selecting you're making really small selections of the whole 360 view that you have around you you're picking that tiny frame you're putting the corners in there for some reason there's some purpose behind that and that is your it is I think that is the I don't know it relates to propaganda and that you're picking small part to emphasize or to kind of nudge people towards because you think that is what we're lacking uh, in society or maybe you're focusing on that big for a small community you want people to focus on this yeah. tree that you walk past every day for a simple example and Pablo says too that he was he went for a more poetic angle on his photography and his. And that that meant
1: to him picking things that were essential to what he thought should matter in the world. Yeah. Yeah. The the way... um, Well, there are two things that Mm. were interesting. The way that Pablo phrased that is like, he had this political engagement through the rejection of values. And I really like that because we tend to think of political engagement as doing something rather than rejecting something. And I think it's equally important to... To do both, because yeah. how are, you, yeah, I mean, how are you supposed to be politically engaged if you accept everything as it comes? You know, mm. you also need to learn how to reject certain values or certain certain things.
0: You got destroyed. Exactly. Um, an, mm,
1: no, that was it. That was I don't it? know why okay. I said two; it was only one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're we'll on in with question three, which was. Some argue that our generation is more politically engaged than those before us. Do you think that this has had an impact on the art made in your field? So why, why did you want to ask that one? Do you remember?
1: Um, well, I think there was like a, well, from, again, from my personal experience, when I talk about politics with my family especially, mm. I realize that the generation of my parents wasn't really politically engaged. Right. They didn't, Take part in any movements they didn't yeah or maybe that was just my parents maybe you know there are exceptions but in general i feel like that generation was a bit kind of not really mm. engaged in that sense whereas my grandparents generation were a lot more involved oh, <laughs> in right. a way um okay. even if it was not directly because at least in Mexico, during when, when my grandparents were my age, there was a lot of, uh, you know, it was the 60s, 70s. There was a lot going on. And even if you didn't necessarily, like, directly take part in it, it, was, it affected your day-to-day life. Mm. Um, so I remember my grandpa telling me that one of his first uh, boss, his first boss was a communist. Um, basically, they had to leave the office one day because he was caught for being a communist yeah. and he was, I think he was sent to Cuba or something like like he or he just ran away or something like that. Crazy story, you know. Like, he was my, my grandpa was just doing his job. He, yeah. he he was kind of aware that he was a communist, but he didn't know to what extent. And then one day he didn't have a boss anymore because he was gone. It sounds kind of odd <laughs> but
0: is it, he was his boss? Yeah, his exactly. Mom,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there was all these things happening. Whereas, when I talked to it uh, about it with my dad and stuff, there wasn't, you know, what I might be wrong. I yeah. don't know, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Um my dad actually wanted to get into politics but it was more like the government side of it right. so he he wasn't part of like student social movements or yeah, social yeah. movements it was more like he wanted to be a politician and then he realized he actually didn't he just he just liked the performative side of it and he realized yeah. it wasn't his thing so he never did right. Um but yeah I just I just, I don't know maybe I, I just assumed in that question that our generation feels more political I think that uh, a big part of the question really came from the idea that we have social media now, so it's a lot easier yeah. to become, or at least to pretend to be politically
0: engaged. Well, that's what I was going to put to you, and then you said your grandparents were more engaged, and it floored me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's out the window. But yeah, so how would that work for them? Why do you think they were more politically engaged
1: without I think there wasn't an escape at the time. You know, it was the 60s. Everybody yeah. was in some sort of movement, and even if you didn't want to, there was no way to go around it because it was everywhere. But I mean, I might have a wrong notion of it because I wasn't there. Um, And that's how it's been like romanticized with history. But yeah, so now I feel like our generation are like, they're like living something similar Mm. in the sense that we have so many issues with the current uh, political figures. There's like this... Ama- like not amazing, like massive cr- cl- clash, I can't speak, <laughs> clash between, you know, right wing nationali- nationalist discourses, yeah. and then climate change, and then we got a feminist movement, we got LGBT movement. So it's a lot going on at the moment that I feel like a lot of people of our generation feel like they have to be political.
0: And I think more than before, because of social media, you are forced to kind of reconcile every view that you see. So you have, like, all the so many different divisions of feminism now, and there are mm. the thinking specifically of terms, And that you're, perhaps if you're in one community, you just have your own yeah. feminist social group and you do the, your things. But to have a discussion globally is so much more difficult.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. Yeah, it's a big background for this question. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was the first time I did the questions. Rowan has been doing them since yeah. over the last That's four uh, episodes. So I apologize if my questions were not great, but I, no, I tried my it. best. <laughs>
0: good. Um, so, yeah, two responses mm-hmm. on this
3: one. Um, without question, that has had a huge impact on the art that i make because whenever i i kind of integrate politics into the stuff that i make i do feel like i'm expressing myself and kind of putting forward a viewpoint and um taking part in wider debates um i really do this especially when it comes to music writing because a lot of the stuff that i'm writing about at the moment um i have a very very keen interest in punk and post-punk as a genre and kind of the um the various uh sort of musical movements that are happening in the uk at the moment which i think so many are integrating really really fine-tuned and very interesting social concepts and kind of wanting to use a lot a lot lot of artists and bands are using their music to really push forward ideas at the moment and you get the kind of the very objectively political artists like you know like Stormzy for instance and then you get the ones who are perhaps more artistic in the way they do things so like like Squid for instance who are this London uh, based punk band they are incredibly they have a lot of fidelity in the way they put they put forward their politics basically. And I think all those artists, not just not just the ones that have come from sort of our generation, you know, kind of the early Gen Z, late is it Gen Z? is is Gen Z, yeah, early like early Gen Z and very very, very late millennials. That's kind of my generation. Um, not just those, but kind of the artists that we look up to and that we love, I think, you know, they are all quite engaged at the moment. And I think with the way that the that the country is at the moment and the way that the, the world is at the moment, there's no choice but to be engaged whatsoever. And that is definitely translating into um, not just the art that I make, but the art that a lot of other people that I'm surrounded by make. I feel like, I feel like all of us perhaps kind of want to do that, want to want to make a statement through that way because it's kind of it mixes creativity with 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 politics. It's not just the the kind of tried and tested and conventional ways of campaigning and you know being a politician and you know standing up for something in a very old fashioned way which i think is being questioned a lot at the moment especially with how disgruntled people are with politics i think people want to find new ways to express themselves and they want to do it in not just very strong bold statements but also in more subverted and integrated ways as great as it is that we have things like Extinction Rebellion, for instance, which is, you know, all about making a very bold and clear statement, I think it's really, really great to see how good the the kind of art we're getting at the moment. It, it deals with politics in a way that's very, very engaging to this generation. It doesn't always shove it down your throat. It builds it in, it ties it in, it, it revolves around certain issues. And that, I think, yeah, that's, that's definitely an impact on me because I'm kind of growing up and working within that field, so it's kind of hard for it not to have an impact, but also I wanted to have an impact in that way as well.
4: I do not believe that our generation is more politically engaged than those before us. I think that this would be a rather arrogant and ignorant thing to assume, because every generation has been engaged in what they consider to be the most urgent matter of their times. Um, So in this sense, I do believe that our generation has become incredibly engaged in questioning um, capitalism, neoliberal capitalism, and in mobilizing against climate inaction. So these are the matters that are having a great impact in the art we are currently making.
0: So thinking about like uh, eras or how the times affect art. I was reading in preparation for this sort of um, Albert Camus create dangerously, and he chats about how previously in society the artists were employed and they were kind of the patrons, or they were employed mm. by their patrons to create art for their for other people, and that the the time he was writing, I guess, or maybe a bit before the time he was writing, there was a shift to making art that well it's not it's not for the your benefactors who are paying for you but it's for the people who it's for whoever you want it to be basically you're you're kind of given a freedom and people were being given a freedom in his time that hadn't been granted before and that where's it going with that (laughs) that now he says silence has dangerous implications and so all art has to be well everyone has to say, be saying something that is kind of a, a necessary pressure on artists now that is great. It's a, it's a freedom that people fought for. But now we have to be really kind of diligent and make sure that we are speaking politically how we want to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure that relates to anything anyone said, but I wanted to get that in first. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, <yeah.
1: coughs> Sorry. Bless, you. Bless you. <laughs> um, Yeah, I want to to touch upon what Monroe say about Mm -hmm. punk Mm -hmm. because I was actually talking about this with James the other day Um, and we were saying well they were saying him and Kate were saying that uh, punk started you know as a counterculture movement it was initially intended to be against the norm and then it turned into the norm itself you know it turned into a fashion thing it turned into um, the great example is Dr. Martin's The Boots like right. they were made by the punk movement and then they just turned into this you know massive capitalist right, yeah. thing Yeah, um, and they would say that they think that punk is dead in the sense that it's no longer there's no longer a music scene that is countering the, the norm Yeah, and I was telling them that I don't think, and this be com- this might be completely biased because I always idealize uh, Latin America but <laughs> uh, I said well maybe not here maybe not in the UK but I do think there is definitely definitely a counter movement uh, spreading in Latin America um there's been a, a big like boom of uh artists uh, they yeah they call themselves, themselves rappers uh, but they they talk about their experience as, you know, Latin American, they they rap in Spanish. And by doing that, they are subverting the genre itself because they are talking about an an experience that is not heard of a lot. They're doing it in a language that is not the colonizer language. And they're just, you know, giving a voice to these experiences. And I do think that that could be, and rap in general, I think, could be the like the punk of our generation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Something yeah. that is subverting. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was good that Munro brought it up because it is. I think it is the best way to summarize like politics and music mm-hmm. to talk about punk and then to talk about the reper- repercussions of punk.
0: Yeah, and what has replaced yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Stormzy and they've both been. Like, really overtly political. Yeah. Uh, was it both of the Brittle so or Dave the Brittle was recently, anyway? And um, repeating Stormzy's questions about Grenfell and where is their housing and yeah. money. And yeah, I th- I'd agree that rap is replacing yeah. in that way.
1: And I mean, one of the most beautiful songs I ever heard is not even a song, it's by Keleo Kereke. Uh, I feel like I've talked about him many times before in this podcast because I just love him. He's the lead singer of Block Party. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he also has his like solo project. Um, he did a new uh, like his last album. I'm not sure if it's the last one. It's called Leave to Remain, and it it's about Brexit basically. Um, but there is one song in the middle of the album. That is um, the speech that I forgot the name of the MP that he gave about the Windrush generation.
0: David Lammy. Yeah, yeah. him.
1: It's that speech, and Kelly O'Grady edited it to put like music oh, on the background, and and the, the the song is called "A Day of National Shame." Oh. And when I heard it, I was like, "Jesus, this is so," yeah, because he didn't do much; he just added m- music, you know, yeah. to a speech that was already there. But it just makes it a lot stronger, and the fact that it's in the middle of the album, the album that is already talking about race, because because mm. his family, uh, I don't think his family was directly affected by the Windrush scandal, but mm. his family they are migrants, and he's black, so it was like a, obviously a very personal, politically engaged album.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's such a simple way, but it's such a good
0: way of doing the album. It. So that it. Yeah, revolves around the exactly. Wow. Wow, I'm going to have to listen to that. Yeah, That's cool, so.
1: do do it. It's really cool. good.
0: <laughs> I just got um, Silent Alarm, the CD. The, they're old. Oh, and I have... Got, s- it. got it in
1: the charity shop. That's right? the first CD I bought for really? myself, like, no, with my really, own money. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a so great good, album. So <laughs> uh, speaking of recent political albums I've been joining just because I enjoy this opportunity to insert my musical taste, <laughs> is uh, Kate Tempest, and I think you probably enjoy... Her latest one, it's the way she kind of um, I'm very hard. Louise has taken note. <laughs> um, she she intertwines the political mood with like a love story at the mm-hmm. same time, and it the, the way it like dovetails from the first song to the last song. There are kind of musical similarities to yeah. the first and the last. Uh, but the the journey that you go on between those is incredible, and yeah, she does a great job of just encapsulating a personal mood. But yeah, I guess that's the job of a of a poet of an artist yeah. is to capture your personal mood and see how it, see what language in what language you can relate it to the people around you. Yeah. And yeah, she does she does pretty pretty good job <laughs> of that. That's really cool. Yeah. So we'll go to question four, which was: Is there a specific piece of work that you deliberately made with political intention in mind? If so, how did you go about it? what
3: were the results like? Really for me, when I um when I, when I when I sort of go into something that has kind of political intention or create something with a very political intention, it's because I really want to make a statement about something. And I feel like what I add to the conversation of that is essential in it being political. Um I do that quite a lot anyway with the kind of the reviews that I write because so much of that I think I see the politics in in almost all music that I get that I review. And so I don't sort of go out and make very intentionally political stuff with that. But like, for instance, I did a review of um, uh, Lala Del new album, Norman fucking Rockwell, which I still cannot stop listening to. It's just that good. And I was really set on kind of exploring the idea of how it, how it sort of captures the breakdown of or like the sort of the end of the end of the line for kind of the, the American dream, the dream of Californian fame and romance and, these very idealistic views of kind of celebrity love almost and kind of idealised sunbathe romance and how it shows it to be so hollow and so lacking. And I was very keen to shove that all across the review that I did for it and really show how the album, for me, just celebrates the death of that and, and is so beautifully put. It, it, it puts that aspect so, so well. Um, in terms of the results of that, I mean, it's become kind of my the scope for how I think about the record since then. I think that happens quite a lot with the albums that I review because I, I end up thinking about them in certain ways that I write about and then kind of reinforce that through listening it, to it again. You know, in some ways, it's kind of a beneficial thing for me because it allows me to kind of get my thoughts down and see how I'm thinking about something and feel like I... Um, kind of play a part in in celebrating that or exploring its meaning through writing about the political side of it and i hope to think that in terms of kind of wider results that people that, that read that review were able to see what i was thinking kind of maybe make their own interpretations of it i think that that's something else that's quite important with with the results of anything that is political is that i do my absolute best to emphasize that it's kind of my view because what i would not want for people to do is to feel like they have to think that way because I don't want to be told to do that with anything that I, I read in terms of music. And I think it's kind of, kind of something with, with photography as well and I'm trying to think with other stuff I've written that's kind of artistic or any, any, anything I've created. I think I don't like the idea of those results being deterministic of what it is. It's always about interpretation. And my view is that in the way that politics, I think it should be a conversation. Any kind of art that's created around politics should also be a conversation. It should be a viewpoint. You should be able to see that as someone's interpretation of a situation, their viewpoint and their kind of perspective of it. And that the only way to get a full picture is to debate that, to break it down and look into it and um, to put it up against other interpretations to get a fuller picture. You know, that's the way that any debate happens effectively in politics. And I think it should be the same thing with art as well.
4: So recently I have engaged in in what I told you before, in what I could call a more poetic form of documentary photography. When I make it, I try to enter a contemplative and receptive state, a state of mind and heart, which, I- which is always very extremely difficult because I'm, I'm, I am so used to certain rhythms of work and production. So I find this attempt to cut myself off from the normal time as a political statement. I think that today something as simple as slowing down can have a political intention. And as for the results, I am excited about what what they promise.
1: I think it's a very contrasting like range of answers, but that's really cool because yeah. Monroe on one side is like, he's deliberately making a political statement in his art and and he wants to do it whereas Pablo is more like he is doing also political statement but it's not in the work itself but it's more in the process which is a really interesting way to approach it yeah I I like what Monroe say about also like making it in such way that you don't make your audience feel like they have to agree agree with you to Mm -hmm. like take it in because I think that nowadays because we're so politically engaged there's like so many like division and so many, like, you know, silly arguments about how it should be done. or, um, Yeah, so it, it is, as an artist, as a creator, you need to be, like, really careful how you come across. Because the last thing you want is to, like, divide your audience or yeah. to create some sort of dissent. Um, but it is difficult because, I mean, I personally never really cared about followers or stuff for some reason I have a lot and they keep following me even though I haven't posted anything since last year thank you <laughs> but um, but I mean and you know honesty. I uh, I think my work personally is not very political at the moment like at least it, when I say my work I mean the stuff that I have actually like put out there yeah um, I'm talking about on Instagram but also like articles and stuff like that however the project I'm working on the one I've been working on for the last year <laughs> is is political, but it, I guess it it kind of relates to what Charlie said before. It's political, but from a personal perspective, because um, it, it is going to be about migration to an extent, uh, but it's also going to be about mental health, which is a term that I'm not happy using. It's such a big term nowadays. I feel like mental health encompasses so much, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be about my own experiences with living with someone, dealing with bipolarity. Um, So it is going to be a political uh, statement because the process itself of talking about it is already fighting against the stigma, which is political. Um, But the way I'm doing it is not going to be obvious that it's political because I don't want it to be... I don't want to scare away people from reading it because... It's, it's political i just want people to to read it because they're curious about it and then if they at the end of it if when they finish reading it they get moved politically or emotionally for yeah. me it makes no difference yeah. it's just the fact that they got moved yeah
0: and i you know, that's i was going to say this before but it's like i would believe that all art is political but that some people are doing that intentionally and some people yeah some people are speaking from experience and Like you will be in this project, it's all from experience, and that leads out into political spheres, spheres. But it starts from personal view. Some people, some projects, and like Monroe's as a marker is, I think, is probably one of those that it's intentionally political, and that he will categorise the thought, like displayed in that record, and the ideas in that record, and he'll lay them out and discuss. The politics of them and then that is an art in itself to be able to discuss those ideas and shift things around and come out with something cohesive but yeah there's other art that is political just because you exist <laughs> yeah and you have to exist
1: and to be honest i re i, really, I can really relate with what pablo said at the end of slowing down as a political statement because even though i don't do it necessarily in my work it is something that i try to do every day of my life um Because I know that I do have like a very busy schedule, but at the same time, I make myself like I almost force myself to at least at one point of the day just slow down, just maybe just do something that does not need to be fast, because we live in such a sped up environment that doing that is a political statement. I agree. I
0: agree, and especially when or, or Pablo's talking before about how our age seems to be more crit- critical of capitalism mm. and that all the adverts that you get now are just like, oh, go faster, you get to come with us, you can get the internet so much faster and you can do this and watch this whenever you want on your in your hand and yeah, I think to rebel against that because it's not something that we need <laughs> particularly is, yeah, definitely a political thing. So. Ignore adverts (laughs) where you can as well, I'll take from that. But yeah, something as simple as slowing down. He even put it really poetically. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So question five. Are there any artists whose work you admire that continuously engage with politics? Who are they? And what about their practice intrigues you? Do you want to answer this first?
1: I I mean, I already kind of answered with Molly Crabapple. Yeah,
0: she's number one.
1: Um... Well, right now, I just found Residente, which is a rapper, and I'm, I'm not, I think we talked about it the last time, I'm not into rap, yeah. but then I found him, and I really like it, because he's one of the Latin American artists, and I, I realized, like, because he talks from his Latin American experience, it's just, like, so relatable to me that I cannot yeah. not like it.
0: I guess you'd heard rap is something foreign before that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. I mean, his last single, it's received a lot of, like, controversial, like, opinions because he literally released it, like, three, four days ago. It's called René. And it's this, um. Uh, the story is, like, he's talking about, because he's quite famous in Latin America and in the U.S., and he's talking about this, uh, actually, the, this idea of, like, slowing, needing to slow down because he's been struggling with depression and alcohol, like, alcohol. It's other word, yeah. Um and like he's going through divorce, he's going through all these things, but at the same time like the world expects him to release another single and he was like I can't I'm 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 feeling anxious, I'm feeling but the way it's written is like it he talks about his childhood and about wanting to go back to those simple times where he was just running around and playing football with his mates. Um mm the way it's done is just like so raw that like i only been able to listen to this song three times and the three times i cried my eyes out it's just incredibly strong and for some reason some people have criticized it um i guess it's expected because latin americans still very we're very like oh don't talk about your feelings like we're still very stuck in yeah we shouldn't talk about mental health uh, which is the only reason why I can see people criticizing that song uh, but in general he has received like a lot of acclaim for doing this for being brave enough to release a record about it but the reason why I like it's not only the song it's the visual because it, like there's a video and it's so clever because he talks about like how when he was a kid he wanted to be a baseball player and through the video he moves from like one of the what are they called? Um, bases. bases, yeah, yeah. Okay. so he moves and then each bass like symbolizes something so in the first bass is just him singing then the second bass I think it's it, there's like a dining table of the house that he used to be in okay. when he was a child and then like th- there's a whole twitter thread that like analyzes how he moves but it's all about this idea of going doing the home run and going back home which I just thought is so clever yeah. because it's done, like, very, barely. I, I didn't pick on it, and then I read the Twitter thread, and I was like, that is just so intelligent, like... Yeah. And then he also uses, like, uh, photos from, like, his family albums, and, like, there's just this use of, like, different elements that mm. is just so well done. And, yeah, so I, I think that's the first thing that comes to mind when you ask yeah. that question because... He finds the perfect balance between being politically engaged in this song and talking from a personal experience. And that is extremely valuable for me because that's what I want to do with my own writing. Yeah. So find the balance between the, the personal and the yeah. collective and make a political statement in that way. What about
0: you? <laughs> um, well, Kate Tempest is a huge inspiration in that way because I want to start writing music in the way that she does you know, kind of. St- narrativized way and that yeah she does it fantastically but also I was gonna say I went the whole train of thought I was gonna say Camus I've been reading him mm-hmm. and then I remembered do you know that um, be me up soft boy account on Instagram yes,
1: yes yes yeah
0: so one of those had a, um, a boy talking about Camus in, and I felt so attacked <laughs> It was like I am a soft boy in the scenario so I was thinking that those accounts, like that account, and there's a awards for good boys, mm. there's another account. They are doing an incredible job of looking at masculinity, and there's some of the captions on those pictures. She will like just go into so much detail about what she thinks this kind of tack that this boy's used that is obviously is laughable. But then there's also kind of, what does that mean? Mm. Why, why are boys doing that to women? And and yeah, that's what I'm seeing that the girls. It, yeah, they, they do a great job of unpacking
1: all of that. Yeah, they? I mean, to be honest, like the whole meme culture, I think some of it has a lot of value, like philosophical value.
0: Definitely.
1: definitely. Um, yeah, because it, it, I mean, what makes you laugh says a lot about yeah. what makes you hurt too. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, no, that's interesting to bring up. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, I thought that, yeah. A good one to shout out. So, yeah, um, Awards for Good Boys is very funny. Like a cartoon um, account and a beat me up soft boy. It's got mm-hmm. some underscores in on that one, but you'll find it. Um, yeah. So, oh, yeah, we haven't done this. <laughs> we just talked and didn't do the actual responses. So we've got Charlie, Monroe and Pablo in this
2: one. Um, I think the biggest sort of one to put out here for me personally is uh, Kanye West because I'm a great fan of his, especially his early music. believe he's got one of the best discographies going um you know albums such as my beautiful dark twisted fantasy 808s and heartbreaks college dropout graduation they're all amazing albums and um you know i think it's 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 pretty hard for anybody to sort of disagree with the you know the, the the influence that kanye had with some of those albums on modern music and modern culture as it goes but uh i think everybody is confused about his whole trump supporting bonanza that sort of going on and his involvement with politics over there I think uh we can all agree that maybe mentally speaking Kanye's not been in the greatest place and greatest space for a while in 2016 he was taken into uh it was not rehab but uh I forget the name of it now but he was getting help for bipolarism which uh features on his the album cover for yay which says um I hate being bipolar it's awesome but um, yeah, considering in 2005, he also did an interview saying um, that George Bush does not support black people, I forget what the exact words were, and now to have ch- completely changed him to be supporting Trump, who has, you know, kind of right wing um, and sort of almost racist views against certain groups in America and, you know, support the KKK supported um far-right groups before it's kind of confusing but also you know intriguing in the same sort of sense like why somebody would have such a shift from you know one sort of side of politics to the other but if I'm being completely honest and completely blunt about it the reason I listen to an artist is not because of their political views or um you know as such it's more because of the music they make so there's probably some artists that I do listen to that Maybe have said some things that are not completely, even that I don't agree with. So, for example, Freddie Gibbs is an example of an artist like this. He has some anti-vax lines in a couple of his songs, which again does not paint a great picture of him as who he is as an artist. Because uh, I think you know, mo- again, most of us can agree vaccinations are good for people and you know, and all that. But um, you sort of got to look past that in the sense and see that this guy, especially with albums like Pinata and Bandana, with um, madly but also um just as a solo art as well that he makes amazing music you know he's he's a very talented mc he's got an amazing flow some of the st- other stuff he raps about um are, you know quite personal to him like when he was uh in when he was in austria and uh, he got falsely accused and he ended up in with a prison sentence over there because it's you're guilty until proven innocent and um yeah and it's just it's crazy like he makes amazing art but again Politics is not really the reason I listen to music. If I was more interested in politics than I was music, I'd be in politics and not making music.
3: Okay, so there's absolutely loads that I want to cover in this answer, so I'm going to try to make it as quick as concise as possible. Um, can of start with music? Um, really important, like, punk bands, The Clash in particular, and, Joe, like you know, Joe Strummer and Mick Jones, were members of the band, you know, they never, ever stopped being engaged with politics, both through their music and through their activism and kind of what they stood for as as artists and figures within uh, the punk movement and within uh, wider alternative music. Um kind of looking more towards today perhaps bands like slaves idols shame fontaine's dc they're all bands who i think engage with politics by constantly questioning and challenging what is right to be said and what the state of affairs is at the moment and you know that i think is really really inspiring and it gives a very lot lot of attitude and a lot of excitement to their music um uh, madonna and prince and, and david bowie who all of who have empowered their own sexuality to then kind of project, you know, the, the the dysfunctional nature of sexuality within their own kind of times and within their own music sort of periods, and then use their own sort of platform to, to challenge those things. You know, Madonna has such an incredibly strong feminine figure who has completely redefined women in the music industry by saying that they don't have to conform to standards that labels set, but actually that they can be not disempowered but you know fucking brilliant as well um prince and bowie too obviously very very powerful figures in terms of sort of bending with gender and breaking away from masculinity and redefining that in all sorts of different ways um more modern examples of that i think artists like frank ocean Tyler the creator who use their own sexuality as talking points as songwriting aspects as jokes and as sad moments as well you know that is such an inspiration to be able to have artists who speak those that kind of language that i want to you know sort of hear um within that um primo levy as well something i want to mention he's a he was a writer who he was um he went to the concentration camps basically he was jewish and i won't go there's a whole story behind him it's very much worth looking up up but he wrote a lot of books about fascism and about anti-semitism there's one in particular called if this is a man which captures his own um, experience in the concentration camps, and it is just extraordinary to read. He was someone who was always engaged with challenging and telling the story of fascism, I think. Uh, That's, you know, something that really, really, I find very, very powerful. Um, Keith Haring, an artist who took on AIDS at the, the peak of the crisis and was there to kind of use his own art to encourage people to do better and to be safer and to try and raise awareness for it it's fantastic to see with that um michael moore as well a more modern um documentary maker i think he's someone who has just taken the issues that he really cares about and done his absolute best to raise awareness for them and to enlighten people not just in humoristic ways but in very genuinely necessary ways where the lack of information i think um has been quite critical particularly within american politics that as well um and to kind of round it all off any bands and artists who have challenged the kind of politics not just of the world around them but also the industry as well so bands like the Velvet Underground and Lou Reed for instance uh Nirvana who kind of redefined you know an entire genre of music which was kind of grunge which you know they brought to the forefront and then kind of redefined what an alternative band had to be basically because they broke the mold with that bands like Radiohead for instance who um you know, like they did with like in Rainbows, for instance, in two thousand and seven, they um, they sold that as a pay what you want CD rather than as you know conscripting to the usual kind of you know ten pounds for a CD thing, or whatever it was back in the day. That I find really really intriguing as well. I'm going to stop now before I end up going on for the the rest of time, but yeah, that should give you an, an idea of what I think.
4: <laughs> if I could choose an artist, it would definitely be Goya. If you look at his drawings and sketches and engravings, you will understand. Um, I think he was never afraid to look at what was happening. I also admire John Berger, not only for ways of seeing, but also for his essays, and novels, and articles. I particularly like this quote by him. Um, I propose a conspiracy of orphans. We exchange wings. We We, we reject hierarchies all hierarchies we take the shit of the world for granted and we exchange stories about how we nevertheless get by we are impertinent more than half the stars in the universe are orphan stars belonging to no constellation and they give off more light than all the constellation stars
0: okay so yeah that was
4: it yeah that that quote was great to end
0: (laughs) maybe we should just (laughs)
1: Yeah, really nice. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I agree with the ones I know because I don't know all the artists that were referenced. But yeah. I think the main trend between all of them is that in a way, in some form, they they went against the current in the sense that... Well, was, the thing is going against the current is such a vague term, but... Mm-hmm. It, it's people that realize that there was more to life than just what is given to you at birth, if that makes sense. So there's a way out of the norm. Yeah, yeah I think politics is is that that's what it's all about, isn't it? Like it's about somehow redefining rules, redefining status, redefining ideologies. Yeah. And if you can do that through your art, well, that's <laughs> that's brilliant. brilliant.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, Hubbard said people who were never afraid to look at what was happening and to face what was happening and I guess that that is part of going against the stream is that you have to look at the the rubbish that's going on and face it down and propose an alternative and that takes, yeah, takes courage it's better it takes courage, it's better art I think if it's something that's really going to rile people up but you firmly believe it and yeah, lots of people listed do that and um, I I think Kanye West does that. He's 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 kind of walking the walk, I think. And with his one of his most recent videos, the start, um, he's talking about land ownership with mm. his dad, and then his dad says a black man, like I didn't know a black man could have all of this. And so yeah, I think Kanye West. Now he's kind of quietened down. I hope. Maybe I just haven't heard about it, but I hope he's. Not on Twitter so much, <laughs> but he's he's really, yeah. That I know he's approaching things in a in a different way to those Twitter rants, and that he really is just living the politics that he has espoused before. Mm. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. That's the thing, especially with social media nowadays, because obviously, like, you can start. Like, I personally know that I changed my political view a lot since, you know, college. So it's tricky when you're an artist and you're, like, saying your political views and then you change. Obviously, people are going to criticize you for not being consistent. But how can anyone be consistent in such a political environment? Like, there are so many things happening at once that it's almost impossible to really... You know, have a view about mm. every single topic and then not change it ever. Yeah. So I think in that sense we should be more relaxed as audiences and maybe let them figure yeah. it out themselves yeah. and be well, more open to change.
0: Well, you could think that it's, it's all part of, that is all part of how they figure it out. It's the reaction people have, and it can get a bit kind of it can get a bit much. But that is the way that people figure it out is the reaction had. Like people and then you listen to those people and inquire: did they have this um, experience when I had a complete opposite mm. and yeah, the of perspectives will lead to a new perspective that serves you both, I reckon. So right about here I um, absolutely butchered a James Bolden quote that I thought had relevance to the discussion that we were having, so this is what he said society must assume that it is stable but the artist must know and he must let us know that there is nothing stable under heaven
1: yeah i mean i definitely it's a topic that we won't be able to really really finish talking about because it's too big and i mean that's not the intention of this podcast anyway but i think it's just really helpful um to listen to other views and how people approach politics and art because sometimes, and this is the reason why I also wanted to dedicate episode to politics, is because sometimes I feel like we feel like we have to be political because everybody around us is being political. Uh, we feel like we have to have a stance. Uh, we feel like we have to take part in something some way. But it's also fine not to. Like even when you're not being political, to an extent, you are so. I just wanted to like say that if you're an artist and you are, you know, you feel bad because you're not engaging politically with any movement that is happening around you, don't feel bad because eventually if you just focus on your r- art and if you actually do it from a place of care and emotion, it is going to turn into something political whether you like it or not. Yeah. So maybe we shouldn't like even approach it from the side of politics maybe we just focus from the side of creation and emotion then the politics is just going to come naturally
0: yeah I agree I agree just be true to your own experiences Mm. and it will come from there so that's that's the end of the episode thank you for listening through if you made it this far yeah thanks for listening if you got here I'm recording this in post because my voice is infuriatingly quiet isn't it It's been frustrating to listen to. Um, I hope that it's worked out. Maybe it's easier for headphones. But um, yeah, thanks to everyone on this episode. Monroe, Charlie, Pablo. And thank you to Luisa, my co-host. It's been great working with you. And you'll hear a bit more from Louisa in a second because her microphone was at a proper volume. I wanted to say thank you to everyone who tuned in through the series who found something useful in it. You wouldn't keep tuning in if you didn't, so it's been good to see that and thanks for everyone for who messaged me about it and i saw some people down at the pub and they were like i like your podcast i had no idea they were listening so yeah thanks for that um yeah this is the last of the series as i think we've mentioned and the next season we're going to come back come back with a bang you know going to be taking some time to think about how to restructure this podcast for the next season um, I've certainly learned that it is, would be easier to pre-record all the episodes, release them at once. That's going to be a lesson learned. And thank you to all the contributors. I've said it before, but like, obviously this would not exist without them. That sounds kind of crass, doesn't it? But it is true. wouldn't exist. And those people are Alma Spadat, Alice Hewitt, Campbell McNaughton, Hannah Ryan, Gem Doctor, Louis Edwards, Louisa, of course, Matt Humble for Milk Events, Monroe Page, Ronnie Pope, myself, Rowan Lees, Santiago Quintana, Sophie Mahadevan, William Morgan, and you can find all of their details and their respective websites and such on our website, artworkatwork.art.blog, and go to the contributors page, it's all going to be linked in the description if you can't remember that, yeah, big up those people, I've seen some of you made some amazing steps in the time between these episodes, it's just wonderful to watch and with that I'm going to bow out and hand you over to Louisa. and yeah see you on the flip side
1: I mean thank you also to everyone that listens if anyone listens (laughs) um because I mean if I'm completely honest I don't think me or Rowan did it for the listeners I think we just wanted to have a space where we could open up conversations about art and not only production but you know every aspect of art um Because I feel like we live in a time where it's so accessible to become an artist. But sometimes it's overlooked to have discussions about it. And when you're not critical about your own work and when you don't stop and think, why am I doing this? Yeah, just why? Then you can turn into almost a machine and that's completely disconnected from the purpose of art itself. So I think, well, at least for me, this was a personal process of putting myself in the position of just questioning everything that I know about art and then using that information to create more and create better. So thank you for the opportunity!